Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversation, and encourage further innovation that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson, and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, you'll be listening to a discussion with the president of Columbus State Community College in Columbus, Ohio, Dr. David Harrison. Dr. Harrison, how are you doing today? Good, guys. How are you? We're doing great. Great. <laughs> Not complaining at all. Uh, so, Dr. Harrison, Columbus State is one of the largest comprehensive colleges in Ohio. Currently serve over 46,000 students and also contribute nearly $1 billion annually you know, to the regional economic impact. From my understanding as well, you're also a first-generation college student who studied engineering before you, know, you advanced throughout your career. Where did you get your interest in engineering and who are some of those influential figures uh, such as, you know, mentors, you know, family members, or even friends that, you know, helped you get to where you are along the way? Because as we all know, it takes a village. It's taken a huge village for me, Brendan, no question. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I was first in my family to go to college, but college wasn't really an option for me. It was something that especially my mother set in motion the minute I was born. And she and my dad did what they had to do so I could do what I wanted to do. And answer your question about engineering, you know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of people in my life who had gone to college, you know, just my mom and dad. One friend's dad was a local dentist. Another friend's dad was a high school English teacher and basketball coach, but had a high school guidance counselor who said, uh, if you're good in, uh, good in math, good in science, you should study engineering. And I said, okay. <laughs> That's really kind of how it played out. I, I went to University of Dayton and went into chemical engineering because they got good jobs and then got out of college, went to school for a couple of years and then went back to get my MBA because engineers got good jobs. Engineers with MBAs got better jobs. And that was, you know, that was the path that my folks had set me on. You know, I've had really good mentors, but have had really good family support. You know, I mentioned my, my parents, especially my mom, but my wife has been a great advocate too. And she knew the work that I was doing in consulting was, was a good job, but it wasn't necessarily fulfilling and uh, ended up uh, applying for a job that was a partnership between Sinclair Community College and the University of Dayton that was the Advanced Integrated Manufacturing Center. It was a partnership between Sinclair and UD. And I was doing consulting with manufacturing companies and they hired me to head up that program. And that really started down a path of instrumental mentors in higher ed. And I've been really fortunate to work with a number of of really inspiring college presidents and other leaders in Ohio, I was in Florida for 10 years and had the same, same experience there and have just been incredibly fortunate, uh, Brendan, to have, uh, have those people in my life and they're still in my life and they're still mentors and still people that I uh, test ideas with and, and seek advice. And, and frankly, now at, at this point in my career, I do the same kinds of things with colleagues in the community and with people on our team at Columbus State. I mean, it's 100% collaborative, and I think it has been one of the things that has really allowed us to be at our best in a lot of ways during this pandemic. 
it's always good to know where people come from because it kind of gives you a pathway to where they are. And one of the things that is a part of your background is engineering education. And then, of course, your career in, in consulting, you kind of gave us a little bit of, of information on how you made that, that transition and why you made that transition. But you've had a lot of experience now in the higher education space. How has the education you received and then the work experience that you started out with impacted and informed what you do now and what you are still trying to do going forward? You know, one of the key elements of engineering training is problem solving. And problem solving is a pretty important function of leadership roles, regardless of where you are in an organization. So, you know, there's a discipline associated with how you approach a problem, large or small, that I think sticks with you. You know, we all, uh, we're all a function of our, of our upbringing, our training, you know, you can approach it from an artistic standpoint, uh, you know, if you're a musician, you're coming at it from a different perspective. Um, so there's an analytical problem solving process that you go through, whether you're realizing it or not. It's just the, the discipline, the habits approach you have, and again, the work that you do. The consulting work that I did, I was with, it's now Accenture. I was with them for six years, and that's a, a problem-solving methodology at a, an even higher level. And one of the things that you learn when you're working with clients is to be a really good listener and to really try to understand not only what they're trying to do, but, but where they're starting from and even where they've been. And those are, those are good traits that have served me well, I think, in various roles in, in, in higher ed leadership. Uh, it comes down to relationships with people mm -hmm. uh, and the ability to help them reach their goals. Again, whether it's a student at a time or whether it's you know, 46,000 students that we're trying to advance in this community. And I think you really hit on a, a very important aspect of the different conversations that we've been having the last few weeks with innovators in Ohio is empathy. Right now with COVID-19, just taking a lot of individuals, you know, companies and organizations. And Columbus today, it was pretty unique as well because you guys were in the news with the Columbus State statue, Christopher Columbus statue as well, you know, coming down. And really, you know, makes sense to what you were just alluding to, you know, make sure you're able to, you know, listen to others and, and see how you can come up with solutions to help bridge the gap, wherever that may be. So how is Columbus State responding in the midst of all of this change that is happening in 2020? If we focus on our response to the, to the pandemic, because I think in a lot of ways that is uh, reflective of uh, who we are as an institution. And from the very beginning, we started out from a, a set of principles that have really guided us from the beginning. And the first was safety. Every decision we've made has been with the safety of our students and faculty and staff and community uh, in mind. The uh, second was compassion and flexibility. The recognition that none of us had been through this before that our students, faculty, and staff were all experiencing this from their own unique perspectives and their own unique conditions. So the ability for us to respond individually 46,000 times 
is where compassion and flexibility uh, really comes in. And then the third was communication and being not just open and transparent, but frequent and redundant, making sure that as we knew more, those who were listening to us knew more. Those three principles have really been important guides that have served us well, have enabled us to serve our students, faculty, staff, and the community. In terms of serving the students, staff, and the community, one of the things that's been a pillar of your tenure at, at Columbus State is partnerships, right? Partnerships across the spectrum. And with, with COVID and kind of the response by everyone, all these organizations, it's impacted different organizations and people differently. And the response has been different in those cases. But because you are a kind of a partnership oriented organization, how has the current environment impacted the things that you're doing or trying to accomplish, particularly in relationship to colleges that you're partnering with, um, employers that you're partnering with, and even some of the support organizations that you've kind of developed partnerships with to kind of help students in other areas outside of the classroom? I think having those partnerships in place and really starting from a position of strength has helped the college, but it's helped the community. And I think the partnership infrastructure that exists in Central Ohio, Columbus State's a big part of it, but there are many others that are part of it. It gives us some regional resilience that I think really does allow us to recognize that, yeah, we've got our own stuff we got to take care of, but we got help and we are ready to help as well. It's really important to look at it that way from a student perspective, because we're where we lose students so many times as a community is in the transitions, either from high school to post-secondary education, from the community college to, uh, to the university, from any of our institutions to employers, uh, and the ability for us to reach across the aisle, so to speak, and really understand how an HR office of a major employer functions and what their values and needs are, how Ohio State University functions, what their values and needs are, what the experience of our students are going to be when they go to Ohio State. The partnerships we have with with K-12, uh, Joel, you've been a big part of that for us. And each district is different and each building in each district is different. And the ability for us to, to understand, but that's, wh that's where students live. So the ability for us to do our best to understand those nuances helps us respond to the unique needs uh, of students. So we, we do talk a lot about partnerships, but partnerships are really about relationships. It's, it's not connections with organizations, it's connections with people. Um, so we've spent a lot of time, I spent a lot of time this summer um, in Zoom calls and phone calls with superintendents, um, not necessarily with an agenda in mind, uh, but just understanding where one another are coming from and through those conversations, figuring out how, how we can help organizationally, but also how we can help students because at the end of the day, we're serving the same students. We had earlier in the summer, a, um, a joint press conference with our uh, private 
um, university partners. We've got a, a really strong two plus two partnership where students earn their first two years of a bachelor's degree at Columbus State and then transfer to a university to finish their bachelor's degree with a number of universities in the region we call Preferred Pathway. We wanted to make sure that the Central Ohio students and families knew that that existed. So we had, I'm not going to name them here because I may miss one off the top of my head, but our private university partners and me together helping people understand that students who come to Columbus State are guaranteed admission to these universities. Our low tuition rates really allowed for a debt-free bachelor's degree at these universities. And it was important at the time because we had a lot of young people who had gone to university out of state mm -hmm. now found themselves at home uh, in the spring with a lot of uncertainty with what the summer or the fall was going to bring. And we wanted to make sure they knew that they had a home here where they could continue their education in a high quality, affordable way. The reason we were able to spin that kind of thing up in short order is because we had great partnerships, great relationships, great programs already established. So I really think that uh, as we think about Central Ohio in a post-COVID world, there are tremendous strengths that we have that are based on those kinds of, of partnerships mm -hmm. at a really deep level, and importantly, at a student level. And we've been at it long enough that uh, we're not designing it around organizations, we're trying to design it around people. And that takes time to get there, but we've put the time in, and I think it has, uh, has positioned us well for what we're in currently and what's to come next. So do you see or do you envision, I guess, going forward, it's more so like this hybrid approach, not only to education, but also the workforce as well, too? I guess, you know, speak from my own self where, you know, we've been working from home since March and we transition everything online. But do you see that, you know, being permanent or is there somewhere in the middle that we can potentially meet? I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know, that, I don't know that anyone knows, and I yeah. don't really, I'm not sure I believe anybody that tells me that. They, but, but I do believe that there absolutely there are elements of this that are going to stick. And with us, you know, we are we're by far the most diverse institution of higher ed in the region, by far, by any measure, including you know almost all of our students work. Um, many of them are working more than one job. A lot of them have family responsibilities. So for us and for our students, there are absolutely elements of this that we want to make sure that we're building on and getting really good at. It's been a driving force in the decisions that we've made with regard to what to hold on campus. We're in a very low density environment right now, operating in a highly virtual way like we did in the summer and like we're probably going to do in the spring. And a big part of that was less about us. It was more about our students because as I said, a student who's got a second grader or a 10th grader or both and is trying to further their own education, us requiring them to come to campus two or three days a week was going to be disruptive in their lives in a way that they wouldn't be able to continue their education. We think that that, that kind of student is the very student that is a region we need to make sure is successful. And, and that's our job at Columbus State to be able to do that. So we were pretty good at it before. 
we're learning a lot more now that's going to it's going to allow us to serve that student and many other students in I think a, a high quality way. For an institution like ours, innovation is really important, but it's not necessarily a step function, meaning that when something new gets introduced, it doesn't mean the old thing goes away because for a lot of our students, the old thing is necessary for, for some reasons that still need to be worked through. So these kinds of innovative periods, I'll say it that way to be optimistic, become additive for a place like Columbus State. Do you know what I mean? And so trying to sort through that is something we're doing on an ongoing basis, but it does give us an opportunity to, again, provide a unique pathway for students who have unique needs and to do it at scale. You talked about, you know, kind of these, right, innovative periods. And one of the things, you know, I was there at Columbus State, I would say one of those periods in time was during 2007-2008 recession time, right? And so are there things that you, whether yourself or as a college, learned then that have that are being implemented now? And then do you see foundational things that you're learning now that you see, okay, this is going, this is probably going to continue on going forward? Um, it's a great question. A quick answer is yes. I, I got here in 2010 and the which was kind of the, the height of the, of the recession. And one of the things that was happening at that time was tremendous enrollment growth um, at college. It's pretty typical historically that during tough economic times, uh, community college enrollment grows nationally. Uh, when people lose their jobs or are fearful of losing their jobs, they do what we want them to do. They go back to school and they they get further education for, for the next job. And that's what was happening um, at, at turn of the turn of, of the decade. We were really focused at that time on managing the growth, which isn't the same thing as being focused on making sure all students are successful. So what we did at that time was really try to change the focus from bringing students in to making sure they get out with a degree or, or certificate or successful transfer. And that's been a, a decade long process of getting that student success framework in place with an intentional focus on equity. Um, in 2010, 2011, we intentionally disaggregated our data to take a look at where performance gaps were, recognize that we had gaps for low-income students and students of color and put intentional interventions in place to close those performance gaps. We still have gaps, but we've closed them dramatically. We had our largest and most diverse graduating class uh, in the college's history last year when our enrollment is nowhere near uh, historic highs. So as we look at this next phase of uncertainty, economically and otherwise, we're starting from a really strong foundation uh, of student success, good assessment of data, a good understanding of interventions that work. Joelle, you mentioned a good regional infrastructure of other partners that are helping. So we go into this with some confidence. As we're making decisions even now, two data sets that we use to make decisions are public health data 
and student success data. And if, if we're learning from our student success data that the equity gains we've made are regressing, we're gonna take action. So as we transition a little bit, as you kind of mentioned about the equity aspect of it, you spearheaded the Central Ohio Compact. Can you give our listeners you know, an overview of that mission and I guess say next steps with that uh, mission as well too? So the short order, the, the Central Ohio Compact is a regional partnership of educators, employers, and other community agencies to help advance specific goals with students in mind. So the broad goal early on was to help 60% of adults in Central Ohio hold a post-secondary degree by 2025. That was a goal that was laid out by the Lumina Foundation nationally. The Ohio Department of Higher Education later changed the metrics and upped that ante to 65%. It became a statewide initiative. But for us, we talk about it as the coalition of the willing because it's an informal group of leaders that just work together. Um, And some of the principles that I talked about with the partnerships before stem from our work with the Central Ohio Compact. We did put together a regional strategy that, that highlights some principles that we wanted to work together on. And completion and equity and economic mobility are you know, threaded through those themes. But what has come from that then also have been relationships and the ability for us to recognize as a region that we can do more collectively than any of us can do individually. And you know, what if we aligned all of the region's assets around a student's path through the education system into a high-skill, high-wage, sustainable career. What would happen in our region if that became the norm? Because it still isn't. We're gaining on it. But the great thing about the Central Ohio Compact is people are staying at the table. So Mm -hmm. we've got We've got some tangible outcomes. I mentioned preferred pathway and our guarantees with university partners that really address student debt in a dramatic way. We've built out deep partnerships with K-12. A few years ago, we were serving a few hundred high school students at Columbus State while they were still in high school. This fall, in this pandemic, we've got over 6,500 high school students enrolled and Columbus State coursework right now. We've got deeper partnerships with employers than we ever have. We've got community agencies that are addressing non-academic needs in different kinds of ways. But now what we're gonna work on this year with the compact is racial injustice. And that has come just through these relationships and the conversations I mentioned this summer we had with superintendents with others recognizing the fact that this was something that we were all trying to work through individually. Wouldn't it be better if we did some things together? Typically with the Central Ohio Compact, we have an annual summit in October where we've got 300 or more people in a room updating ourselves on our strategy and deciding what to do next. We're not getting 300 people in a room this year. So we're working right now on what we think is gonna be a three-part series on racial justice and how as educators, we can mobilize to close those gaps and to lead by example. So uh, we're hoping to set this up. In fact, this is on my list for this week to get some communication out for a three part series, probably two weeks apart between mid-October and mid-November 
And then we've got one of the great partners we have with the Compact is the Educational Service Center of Central Ohio. They've got a team of equity leaders that can then work with districts or individual buildings to uh, continue the conversation and to move that forward. Again, one of the strengths, I think, of the Compact is we're, we don't hesitate to address problems where we don't know where it's going to lead us. We don't know what the solution is going to be, but we do know that we're going to be better positioned to solve it together than any of us institutionally could do individually. You know, we didn't go into these summer conversations. I mean, it was on all of our minds, but that wasn't the purpose for these calls. And it became a dominant theme and something that people are really leaning in on. And it's something that as a, as a group, we're going to try to figure out how to help as a community and individual organizations take the next step. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure to visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one. That's the number one, where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests, and more information about our team. As always, we love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website or shoot us an email at digitalfromdayone at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell a friend about our little show here too. There's more to come from our guests in this episode, so be on the lookout for that. I'm Joel Nelson, along with Brendan Dickerson, and let's continue to make the connections to Opportunity Stronger. Until next time, everybody.